الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد الله سبحانه وتعالى سيدنا القرآن شهد الله أنه لا إله إلا هو والملائكة وأولو العلم قائما بالقسط Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala testifies, Allah bears witness that there is no God except He. Allah bears witness and Allah testifies that there is no God except Allah, except Him. And so do the angels testify to the same thing. وَأُلُوا ilm And the people of knowledge testify to the same thing. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his angels and the people of knowledge they testify that there is no God except Allah this in itself shows the importance or the nobility of the people of knowledge anybody who pursues knowledge and gains the sacred knowledge this shows the nobility that they are being listed along with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself and the angels <clears throat> then they say that this is approved by the Queen and Prince Charles. You know, you have those, they have those symbols, those seals or whatever they are. Now, nobody else's seal on there except the royal family. But if somebody else's seal was also added and so and so, then it means that this person has risen to a, a status which befits being also listed along with these greats. So likewise, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the angels are mentioned, and then somebody is also categorized as being in that same category, listed in that same category, then it shows that they've been given that extra martaba and that status. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the people who truly fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are the ulama, and that the ulama are the warathatul anbiya. Inheritors of the Prophets. That's another great sharafat in itself. Generally, when you speak about somebody inheriting somebody else, or inheriting a group, or inheriting a family, from a family, then you understand that they must have some qualities, some of the similar traits. That's why they're inheritors. They've been either closely in touch, they have the same genetic genetics whatever the case may be there seems to be a similarity so the verse uh, the 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 hadith of rasulullah sallallahu tells us that if the prophets the people of knowledge are the waratha of the prophets then clearly it tells us the special link of the people of knowledge another hadith mentions that the fish in the ocean the birds in the air they make dua for the people of knowledge. Now, why would they do that? Clearly there must be a great sharafat, great nobility among the people of knowledge that, peop- that makhluk in the air, makhluk in the oceans are making dua for them by inspiration from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these are an- just a few factors which indicate the barakah of knowledge, the sharafat of the people of knowledge and essentially it's an encouragement for us to acquire more knowledge according to Sheikh Fath uh, Fath al-Mawsili 
He says that if you have a person who's ill, who's sick, and you don't give him water and drink for three days, he's already sick. One is that a person is healthy and they uh, are deprived of food and drink for three days. You can still expect them to pull through because they have enough energy generally to last that long. But somebody who's already sick, who's already in need, and you deprive that particular person from for three days of food and drink, then you'd expect that that person is going to die. They're already in need of energy and strength, food, nourishment. They're not getting it. The same is the state of our heart. We're already sick. The same is the state of our heart. We already have sickness in our heart. And then if the heart stays away from knowledge and the benefits of knowledge, then the heart is also going to become deprived of the barakah and the blessing of this knowledge. Generally we speak about dhikr in this case. But here this Shaykh, Shaykh Fath al-Mawsili from Mawsil, he is saying that even being deprived of some new input of knowledge, sacred knowledge, anything that takes us to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will open up a path to Allah. This includes for example in the beginning to learn Arabic grammar because Arabic grammar is a knowledge that conveys a person to the knowledge of the Quran Sunnah as long as a person is studying it for that sake because nowadays a lot of people study Arabic because it's the politically savvy thing to do or to work in Muslim countries so if a person is even studying grammar as the basic startup of studying knowledge they also get the fadila of doing that which tells us that regularly there needs to be an input of knowledge in our lives <coughs> regularly the knowledge could be the knowledge of fadail a reminder an exhortation or something even more firm like studying fiqh and hadith and point of tafsir reading a tafsir of the quran reading a book of fiqh of course a more organized focused study in which you get something at the end of it which develops you it's not just a drip here and there you know one is that a person is righteous and pious and they go through and they listen to different uh, bits but because it's all disjointed they they hear a nice point here about tafsir a nice point there about fiqh a mas'ala something unusual that people don't really know about they learn it because they sit with the ulama but their knowledge is going to be disjointed they're going to know a bit here and there this is the case of the majority of concerned people that we have who are not ulama they know a lot of bits and of this that and the other but there's no connection between them so if they're asked to fill in the gap they won't be able to to do so or they won't have the confidence to do so of course if they're not able to do so and then they think they've got the confidence to do so then that's a bigger problem because then they will be giving fatwa from their pockets so the idea is, the encouragement here is that a person, most of us are unable to undertake a full-time study. But nowadays, mashallah, there's many, many, many courses that have sprung up around the city where they are teach, they're especially catering for people who are working in the daytime. So the classes are exclusively in the evening. Of course, it takes a lot of dedication, six, seven, eight years, maybe sometimes, of every day, 
four days a week, sometimes five days a week, three, four hours of solid work. Uh, a, a relative of mine, a, uh, a brother-in-law of mine, he, uh, he, he for several years from, I think it was six o'clock or something like that to uh, about 10 o'clock and then which eventually went to 11, 12 o'clock at night. He would work in the morning, full-time job. And then after that, as the, the years progressed, when he went into the advanced years, they used to finish around half 11, 12 o'clock. Um, so that, that's a, quite a bit of an undertaking. However, those who can't do a full study like that, and there's many, many people who've done studies like that. I know numerous people, numerous people like that, who started studying like that with full-time jobs. They were full-time lawyers. There's still people like that. And they, they've, they've done the study. So at least what that does is that it makes you self-reliant on understanding what's halal and haram. It gives you a perspective of life. If somebody can't do that, then they should definitely undertake some other focused courses. A focused course is always better than just taking a bit here and there because it's more packaged together as one whole. So you get a better understanding of at least one particular subject, if not all the subjects rather than just disjointedly learning some good point here and a good point there. So this is something to think about. This is something to think about. Allah does place time and barakah in, um, in, in the lives of people when they want to do something. It requires himma. But look at the barakat. Look at the virtues that are being mentioned about such a people. Try to gather the asset which when your sheep uh, when your ship sinks that asset will also float with you and will swim with you and will help you and assist you generally people sink in this world generally to do with some bad business deal the money goes but when it comes to knowledge nobody can take that knowledge from you Nobody can take knowledge from you. That's why Ibn Abbas عنه, used to mention that spending a small moment at night, a small amount of time at night in the study of knowledge, in seeking knowledge, according to him was superior to staying awake the whole night in other forms of worship. Um, this can be a point of delusion sometimes as well. A person who's uh, really into their academics, then they think that they don't have to do worship. They'll just be studying all night. He's saying a small portion of the night of study is superior to a whole night of worship. Doesn't mean that um, they're mutually exclusive. He's just saying that people generally know the fadila of standing up at night in prayer. Everybody recognizes that. They don't think you get the same from studying knowledge. So he's trying to say that this has the potential because with the knowledge will come action. So if it's only knowledge, 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 I just know this, I know that, I know all of these books of hadith and tafsir and everything, and it's not leading to me for tahajjud, then this is not sacred knowledge anyway. It's not having the desired effect. So that shouldn't be mis misunderstood.
Hassan Basri rahimahullah, he says that according to me, the tafsir of the famous dua that everybody knows, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina azab al-nar. The meaning of this for me is dunya hasana. Oh my Lord, give me hasana, the good. In this dunya, this refers to um, ilm, sacred knowledge and remembrance of Allah. Sacred knowledge and remembrance of Allah. So if we do this dua with that intention, and it's a very famous dua, the Prophet ﷺ used it in the most opportune moments. That's the only dua that is, well, that's probably the only dua that's been related about tawaf. That the Prophet ﷺ used to make this dua in tawaf. What a special dua it must be that he made it between the Rukn al-Yamani and the Hajr al-Aswad. I mean, it must be a very special dua for him to have made it in that very special point. Just at the finish of a tawaf, he's reading that dua. Oh Allah, give me the best of this world. Give me the good in this world. Give me the good in the hereafter. So the good in this world, according to Hassan Basri, the Prophet left it open because it could include a lot of things. Hasanatan. In Arabic, the word hasanatan is a nakira. Means it's not a, uh, it's not a, a proper noun. And it's not um, a... Uh, it's not fixed as the good it's good now what good generally in Arabic when you leave something general like that without saying you're saying house without saying the house when you say the house obviously you're fixing the house there's something either in your mind or in the mind of the person who's listening to you that you're referring to when you say a house house in general it could mean many 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 houses so likewise here when you say hasana, general, what is the good? So how do you determine what good that is? Of course for most I will just leave it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whatever you think is good for us. Hassan Basri from his reading and understanding, he understands this to be the two most important things which is one is the sacred knowledge which is supposed to take us to the second thing which is Yad Ilahi. This is remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. See, if most of us are trying to just engage in dhikr without studying as well, without doing some kind of study, it's a bit more difficult. What happens with the study is that it gives us the nur in our heart. We know we are that much more connected to our tradition. We're that much more knowledgeable. We have that much more insight. That helps us then to, in our dhikr as well, that we know we've got more reason to do dhikr for. We understand the richness of why we're doing dhikr, the heritage that we have, the, the legacy that we have. So according to him, the dunya, hasana for dunya means that, and the hasana for the akhirah means jannah and paradise. Umar radiallahu anhu used to say, study knowledge, study, gain knowledge, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a covering of love a covering he has of love which he gives to those who study knowledge and as long as the person continues to study knowledge in whatever amount he keeps that love filled sheet over the person until the person dies like that covered with the sheet of love and generally speaking, 
they say that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala generally, generally speaking, gives somebody sacred knowledge, like it's related by Imam Muhammad al-Shaybani that when he was asked, after he passed away, he was seen in a dream and he was asked what happened. So he said that I was told by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that if we hadn't expected uh, we hadn't intended good for you we would not have given you all the knowledge that we gave you we would not have given you all the knowledge if we hadn't wanted to give you something special why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open up his knowledge to somebody and then deprive them it's a possibility somebody misuses the knowledge then that's not been true knowledge from the beginning but if somebody has the right intention to study they take a weekend course they take a course in the holidays. You know, it's about going and doing something and getting something more focused than the arbitrary disjointed points here and there. Zubayr ibn Abi Bakr rahimahullah mentions, uh, my father wrote me a letter in Iraq. He said, study knowledge and work hard in studying your knowledge because even if you become poor in terms of monetarily you become poor your knowledge will become your wealth it's something that you can fall back upon something you will be respected for something that you can use to at least benefit from and if you're wealthy so if you're poor your knowledge will help you it will give you the understanding of what to do in in your poverty what kind of thought you must have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we're not only talking about getting a job with your knowledge of teaching somewhere or something. It's not just about that. It's more about the fact that it will give you an understanding of how to deal with and manage your, your, your depression, your loss, your grievance, what to do with your life, how to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he said to him also that if you are wealthy, then ilm will be your adornment. Because if a person gets wealthy, and they don't have knowledge, they don't have the deen and knowledge, then they are misled by the shaitan to use their knowledge, uh, their wealth in the wrong ways. Whether that means outright haram, or if they are a bit God-fearing in a sense, then in bid'at, or assisting innovators. They will be misled to, they will be misled, they will be deceived by people to give them their wealth and to, to be used for the wrong kind of movements, the wrong kind of activism the wrong kind of innovative practices so either they'll use it in haram or they'll use it in innovation or they'll be bakhil and they won't use it at all but if you have knowledge then you know how to spend because generally the two people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the Prophet sallallahu said it's halal for them to compete with each other for the right reason are people with wealth who spend it in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the people of knowledge who who use it again to benefit people so here we're speaking about two different types of people because generally speaking the wealthy person is not always going to be the wealthy uh, is not going to be the, the the person with the most knowledge because he has to spend a lot of effort in making the business so generally they don't have time for knowledge and the people who are really into knowledge don't have the time for business generally speaking however there are many cases in history where these two did come together like for example in Imam Abu Hanifa and numerous scholars of today as well, they're like this. Where they've got, mashallah, their own income, good income. And they're able to then spend their wealth 
along with their knowledge and do that so that's a, a, a very rare combination but a very valuable combination when it does come about right sometimes wealthy fathers want to make their, uh, their, their there's a lot lot of people like this wealthy people who want to make their children ulama so they try the 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 point then is to that give the right tarbiyah so that the person isn't doesn't grow up uh, thinking in this privileged silver spoon gold spoon way and although they study knowledge their focus becomes the business unfortunately that has happened with some great scholars where their father left everything for them scholars we're talking about they left everything for them but the offspring all their focus became was because of the influence and the power of that position that rather than focus on the knowledge aspect they went more into gaining money you know and and through the connections that their fathers had that left for them so it's not always the case that a good father is always going to have the best of inheritors it's a really a matter of tawfiq Mashallah, otherwise you've got some families who the father laid down the foundation and the children have continued in, some, in many cases even surpassed the father. I mean, some of the examples that we have today is Mufti Shafi Sahib and his two children, Mufti Rafi and Mufti Taqi. You know, these are just some of the examples. And you have other examples as well. So, there's, the, the world is never a predictable thing. That's why a person has to be constantly praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the efforts that we make in anything that we do and translates in anything when the efforts that we make do we also have to have a focus in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he makes things fall right in the way we want them to be so there has to be a multi-pronged focus and dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Luqman alayhi salam one of the advices he gave to his children was go and sit with the alim who is active on his knowledge alim with amal the active alim the one who is clearly putting into action his knowledge right go and sit with such a person go and learn from that person learn etiquette from such a person Anybody who has a sick heart, who goes and sits with an alim uh, who has amal as well, it is as beneficial as a dead land which is going to suddenly benefit from a huge downpouring. That's the kind of benefit. The same that a dry land needs that kind of rain, good rain, then a person who goes to an alim with amal they benefit in the same kind of way. It fills their heart, it moistens it, it makes it fertilized. So although an alim like that may eventually leave this world and die, he will leave behind him a legacy. And the legacy is not going to be necessarily discernible. But no doubt it's a legacy and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows its connections. There's one software that we use, uh, that I use for typesetting, it's called InDesign, Adobe InDesign. So, what it does is that it's got a special feature in there. It says, show text threads. You know, sometimes on a single page, you've got two or three different types of text boxes. 
all your text has to be in text boxes. It's not like Microsoft Word. It's a bit more, um, uh, uh, a bit more sophisticated than that because you have full control of the text. So he's got different text boxes, right? Especially like if you've got a magazine or something. Now, what happens if you make some extra changes here that lengthens the text here? This text box on, has to be connected to the relevant text box on the next page so that if some text is pushed down, it will automatically adjust there and you don't have to manually adjust it. Now, it doesn't, on, in the normal view, it doesn't tell you that, it doesn't show you the connections between the text boxes. So you don't know which text box is connected to which box. But what you can do is you can actually go into the functions and say display text threads. And what then it shows you is that it shows you these lines of the boxes connected to which box. So then you know exactly the trail. This text starts here, this is its continuation. So you don't have to read it to figure it out. You can actually see it visually. So likewise, when a person of knowledge and amal dies, they've gone from this world one is that they may have established an institution that carries their name or that no, people know that they established as the founder. But then there's a lot that goes beyond that. That's just the physical institution. But there's a lot that goes beyond that. Imagine the thousands, the tens of thousands, the hundreds of thousands of people that they have benefited. You know? So for example, you taught one course gave one lecture on a point of Ramadan for example that in Ramadan this Ramadan let's do this that and the other and it resonated with a hundred people and imagine you gave this talk in ten different places and it resonated with 20 people in each of these places you've got 200 people there out of these 200 people there's a number of people of those 200 people if they if they were impressed uh, they were uh, influenced by this they may tweet out facebook tell people email people so now you don't know where that's gone to now we can't see the text threads we can't see the connections we've done our lecture we've passed a good point through whether it's been a formal lecture by a scholar like you know on a formal level or it's just a little um advice we gave to somebody, a good word we gave to somebody sitting in the bus maybe or on the underground or wherever, at work or whatever the case is. And then suddenly we don't see the text threads anymore but Allah can see them, Allah knows them. Unfortunately we can't ask like you know, where, where's the text thread and put on that button, right? You can't see it. On the day of judgment all of this will be revealed. Okay, this is how it went. And then this will actually continue forever. How many people every Ramadan they will, if they establish and you told them to do tahajjud every night, in Ramadan at least. So now they did it this Ramadan. Now next Ramadan they remember you must do tahajjud. They may have forgotten where they got it from. Now they may be thinking uh, for them, oh last Ramadan I did tahajjud every night. This Ramadan they'll remember where it came from. Next Ramadan they'll forget where it came from. Now they will make it their own action. I'm doing tahajjud every night because I did it last year. Okay, I'm going to do tahajjud this year as well. Again, they've even forgotten the thread. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never forget that thread. And that's in our, in our action. This is an investment that will never be ended. It escapes. It proliferates. So, that's the virtue of a person of knowledge. He gets that platform to do that. Having little bits and bobs here and there doesn't give you the same thing. Though you can still 
convey whatever you know. But it's this magnification that is important. This projection that's important. So you will never know where it gets, to, gets you to. So leave your signature behind. And you say that, you know, every document, etc., it carries a digital signature. So you can't see it, but if you look into the code, you can see who made it and so on and so forth. Like this, all of this day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can tell where, you know, whenever somebody is now practicing where this signature is coming out. And sometimes it has many, many signatures because clearly when the alim who has given that talk on Ramadan has got it from somewhere else, got it from somebody else's book, somebody else's lecture, somebody else's teaching. So his signature is involved in there as well. Now, there's going to be many signatures behind if you look and the signature of Rasulullah is also going to be there. If your signature is with the signature of Rasulullah then what can you expect on the Day of Judgment? So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all ikhlas. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all tawfiq. Because this is uh, one successful way of negotiating the waters of this world, the life of this world. I'm just going to read uh, briefly the, the wisdom for today, which I'm not going to look at in detail. But basically, Ibn Ata'illah says, إِحَالَتُكَ الْأَعْمَالَ عَلَىٰ وُجُودِ الْفَرَاغِ مِنْ رُعُونَاتِ النَّفْسِ your, postpo- your postponement of deeds till the time when you are free is one of the frivolities of the ego. Postponing deeds, knowing importance of deeds but postponing them. When am I going to start my tahajjud? When am I going to do my dhikr, my daily dhikr I'm supposed to do? I keep postponing it. Postponing it till when you think you're going to be free is one of the frivolities of the ego. You're never going to be free if you think that way. There's very few people who genuinely, and that is genuinely for a, it's a short period that we have a very busy period. Right? 20 things come on us and we have to just do it and there is no time. But other than that, it's generally self-induced busyness where it's all about priorities. Because I don't give this priority, that takes priority and that makes me busy. So genuinely, generally speaking, in the most part, I know this from experience when I tell people I'm too busy. I know it's self-induced busyness. It's not things that have been dumped on me and lumped on me that I just cannot get away from them. It's things that I want to do. And I'm giving them a priority. That's why it's made me busy. This statement is similar. He says, When man becomes involved in worldly affairs, there is no end to its ramifications. When there is no end to man's worldly indulgences, it is simply the indolence and stupidity of his ego to postpone righteous deeds, moral reformation, spiritual uplifting for the future, under the notion of obtaining a time devoid of worldly affairs. When is that going to happen? Man in this sense destroys his present time and in his stupidity waits to acquire a time of which he is uncertain. If you can't manage your time now, how are you going to manage it later on when you're only going to get more busier? Life just brings more complications. You get more children, business expands, suddenly you start becoming weaker, you don't have as much energy left, you start becoming sick as well. 
it doesn't get any easier because we don't get younger. Life can come to an end without a servant ever obtaining a period of free time, for death often makes a sudden appearance. An intelligent man therefore is the one who values the time he has obtained in the very moment that it exists. Oh, I've captured this time. I've used this hour of my day usefully. That is something to be satisfied about. He does not postpone the work of the religion for a later time, nor does he wait in anticipation of free time, the attainment of which is improbable. If, however, the worldly affairs that occupy one are permissible activities, one should continue therewith and involve oneself simultaneously in invocation and righteous actions. If these affairs are unlawful, of course one must ab abandon them. May Allah give us the tawfiq. Allahumma anta salam wa anka salam tabarak liyatul jalali wa likram. Allahumma ya hayu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghith. Allahumma ya hannani ya anna la ilaha illa anda subhanaka inna kunna minal zalimin. Jazallahu anna muhammad maahu ahluh. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala ahli sayyidina muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Oh Allah, oh Allah, forgive us our sins. Oh Allah, forgive us our wrongdoings. Forgive us our bad habits. Oh Allah, forgive us our defects. Oh Allah, forgive us our weaknesses. Oh Allah, forgive us our weaknesses. Forgive us our weaknesses. Oh Allah, forgive us our inabilities. Oh Allah, forgive us our absence of fortitude, absence of resolution, absence of determination. Oh Allah, oh Allah, oh Allah. These are things that we dream about and we want. Oh Allah, we ask that you give us ability over our over our nafs oh allah that you help us and assist us oh allah oh allah we ask that you help us and assist us in worshiping you oh allah you give us the same kind of tawfiq that you gave to the pious ones of the past oh allah that you give us the same kind of rahmah and mercy that you gave to them oh allah the same kind of mercy that covered them and benefited them we ask you for the same thing O oh Allah, we ask that you purify our hearts, you cleanse our hearts, you keep them focused on you. O oh Allah, we continue to fail, we continue to fail, we continue to fail. O oh Allah, we ask that you grant us beneficial knowledge. We ask that you, O oh Allah, help us, to, help us to have more determination and manage our time well, to use our time usefully. To not let the days, the hours, the days pass by without us doing anything of significant benefit. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, grant us barakah in our wealth, grant us barakah in our income, so that we can spend time, we can spend time, we can spend time for your deen, we can spend time for the service of your deen. O oh Allah, grant us a pious and righteous surrounding and family, righteous business and work, righteous friends oh allah righteous company righteous company oh allah oh allah we ask that you brighten our hearts you brighten our hearts remove the darkness and the evil that is contained within our hearts oh allah the month of ramadan is coming make it a most the most beneficial month for us make it a means of us gaining great closeness to you closeness after which there's no distance oh allah grant us a closeness to you after which there's no distance Grant us a closeness after which there's no distance. O oh Allah, make this Ramadan the best Ramadan that we've had so far. O oh Allah, make it a means of change, means of strength. O oh Allah, means of barakah and blessing for our house, our family, and all who are around us. O oh Allah, accept us all for the service of your deen. Accept us all for the service of your deen. Accept us all for the service of your deen. 
allow your dhikr to emanate from our hearts, from our bodies, from our minds. Allow us to think in the correct way. Show us the truth as the truth and allow us to follow it. Show us the wrong as the wrong and allow us to abstain from it. Oh Allah, oh Allah, suffice us with your halal, away from that which is haram. And oh Allah, make us, make us independent of all of those who are besides of you. Oh Allah, make, keep our focus on you. Keep our focus on you. Grant us your love and the love of those who love you. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you facilitate barakah, ease, knowledge, amal, action in our life, tawfiq in our life. And grant us the karima la ilaha illallah on our deathbed. Grant us the karima la ilaha illallah on our deathbed. And make us of the fortunate ones in the hereafter. Make us of the fortunate ones in the hereafter. Grant us amal salih. And oh Allah, your remembrance in this world. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon. والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله